Uh, so there's a few different chest freezers around our office. Our headquarters are based here in, in South Burlington. Uh, so every day you can take home uh, three pints of uh, Ben and Jerry's. But you learn not to, basically? You know, the first year you, you do it like every day, <laughs> like it's somehow like we're going to run out of ice cream. Um, and then you, you realize that you probably don't need to do it every day. Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. Alex Kaufman, Wintry Mix, episode 79. Wait, this episode was supposed to be about Treadshare and Gondola, the I-70 carpooling apps that are hitting the market. At least that's what we said in episode 78. Well, right after 78 dropped, those apps hit a legislative roadblock that classified them like Uber and Lyft, which is not going to fly for their business models. So while the app makers try to navigate their way around that metaphorical accident, we're heading back east for a dose of Vermont. Mike Hayes is a Burlington-based photographer, Mountain Mansfield backcountry legend, my words, not his, and plays a global role behind the scenes at Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream. My related archive episode shouts for you include episode 68, which was with Stowe Mountain Resort groomer John Stafford, and 58, which was with Bolton guide and helicopter pilot Alec Jitkowski. And how about we go very deep for one more, let's say 24, with the Labrador Bush Doctor. And of course, the last nine are all very Colorado-y. All right, that's enough. Dig through sometime. Follow the podcast on Instagram for episode announcements and random memes that I come up with, at Wintry Mixcast. When you pump out the pod in your story and tag it, I'll send you some free stickers. Like that day. It's clockwork. There's also a podcast voicemail and text line, 802-560-5003. Feel free to offload some thoughts on any topic. Uh, questions or partnership inquiries can be emailed to alex at wintrymixcast.com. Five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts mean I will owe you a beer in the wild, and we're right around 200 of them at this point, so do it to it. Stand by for the goods. This episode of Wintry Mix is supported by the Ten Barrel Brewing Company and Bojo's Colorado Style Pizza. The Ten Barrel Brewing Company opened a massive brew pub in Denver's River North District in 2017, and their Pray for Snow Winter Seasonal gives 1% of sales to protect our winters. Here comes the spring seasonal, Snake Run Double IPA. Watch out. But they don't just make beer, they make fun, outside, on snow. Track the movements of the beer cat, taking their latest flicks like Hold My Beer and Walks This, or scope the dates of the next hella big air on 10barrel.com. Get to the brew pubs in Boise, Denver, Bend, Portland, and San Diego, and until then, find 10 Barrel in a refrigerated section near you. Or find me and I'll give you one in the wild. Also, Bojo's. 
With five locations along the Front Range and another in Steamboat, Bojo's is your gotta-try-it-to-believe-it Colorado-style pizza destination since 1973. These are mountain pies, measured by the pound. Don't worry, they have skinny prairie pies too for any scaredy cats. Locals and visitors return to Bojo's for the unrivaled pizza, family-friendly salad bar, and relaxed atmosphere. You'll see. Also a great spot for your party or fundraiser with groups of 20 or more. Visit locations in Idaho Springs, the original, Evergreen, Arvada, Fort Collins, Steamboat, and Longmont. Are you Mike Hayes at M. Hayes, Michael Hayes, for real? That's me. All right, Michael Hayes, thanks for coming on the pod. Where are you sitting right now? I'm at my house uh, in Burlington, Vermont. What part of Burlington? Uh, The new North End. So, yeah, it's a little struggle to get to the mountain because there's like an extra 10 minutes going navigating through the city every day. Um, But, yeah, just bought a house here. Little known secret. We almost didn't move to Colorado. We almost bought in the new North End. Oh, wow. We could have been neighbors. Yeah, that obviously didn't didn't work out. Uh, what was today all about for you? What did you get done today? Uh, so today I uh, woke up, uh, woke up at four, uh, went to the mountain, uh, skinned before work, then headed to, to work. I work at Ben and Jerry's. I was in the office by 930. Uh, then, yeah, worked a full day and now I'm talking to you. Yeah, we're going to get to all those details. For those that don't know, Michael, give everybody kind of the elevator of who you are, what you do during the day, what you do in the morning, and how people maybe have seen you here and there. Cool. Yeah, so I work at Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream. I'm the global head of digital marketing. So Ben & Jerry's is distributed in 38 countries around the world. So I work with people all around the world to bring to life our, our mission. Uh, and then that really helps me with my scheme. And yeah, I've been here in Vermont since 2004. So we're going to get to the skiing. We're going to get to the Ben and Jerry's. Uh, but before we do that, let's hit quickly on the kind of born and raised. Where are you from originally? Springfield, Mass. Oh, so you yeah. went to the Big E a couple times. Oh, yeah. Big E. Yeah, every year. And uh, college was where? Uh, St. Michael's. I went, I applied, I knew I wanted to ski coming out of high school and I applied to UVM and St. Mike's and then ended up going to St. Mike's here uh, just outside of Burlington. So date yourself. When was that? Uh, That was in 2004. So to 2008. So um, yeah, that's really when I started skiing even more in Vermont growing up. I, my family had a house in Okemo and Mount Snow and I was doing um, some racing on the weekends and I really kind of knew, you know, during that time period, I wanted to continue skiing. And so that's really where I started to kind of look at uh, Vermont as a place to go to college. So skiing was a big draw. How long did it take you to kind of zone in on marketing as a career path? Yeah, I mean, I actually started in political science uh, and then halfway through my college career, realized that that probably wasn't I didn't want to be in politics. Uh, and I actually was running the ski and snowboard club at St. Mike's and we were having big, uh, events, whether that's movie premieres or rail jams. And 
I was using things like, which was very new at the time, a, a thing called Facebook uh, to get people to go to these events. And I was putting on events and I, I didn't realize it at the time, but that that's marketing. <laughs> and, um, and that's really when I kind of kind of fell into marketing and really pivoted halfway through my college career to start um, doing marketing. And yeah, I guess the rest is history. Let's go down memory lane for a second, because this will be fun for me too. What were the events in the mid 2000s that were going on on the ski slopes with St. Michael's? Like, what were the names of them? I bet this pool. Oh, yeah. So we kind of, a, a bunch of us started um, something called Battle for Burlington, because um, I think really at that time, rail jams were just kind of starting in infancies. And, and there was actually some border cross and skier cross, if you remember that, that was still around. Um, but we, our kind of club slash team would travel to a bunch of different mountains as well. We did like the big mother hucker down in Mount Snow and, uh, we went over to Loon a few times. Yeah, it was super fun and to kind of ski at different resorts and to meet a bunch of different people who are like-minded people. I did the mega mother hucker. I also did was anti-gravity grail. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mother Hucker used to jump over a hot tub of people. I don't think you really have that nowadays. <laughs> no, liability has taken over. Yeah. What else was there? Rails to Riches, Killington. That's yeah. still going on, maybe. Still going on. Yeah, wow. And the Border Fest, that was even before then. That was the early 2000s, late 90s. All right. So the college years, St. Mike's, you, you get out of St. Mike's. I recall you, I don't know how long there was between St. Mike's and seeing you that you were at Magic Hat. What was the, the kind of time span there? Yeah, so I actually started interning at Magic Hat my senior year of college, and then someone left there um, during my senior year, and I was like, "Hey, I'll start working here if you guys, if you guys allow me to," um, and then go full time when I graduated. When I graduate, and so they were up for that, and um, yeah, so I started working my second half of my senior year, and then I worked there uh, for three years, and that was really. Uh, I started in kind of traditional public relations, so like press releases, um, but soon, uh, really Facebook, it's kind of funny now that Facebook originally was only for college students. You had to have a .edu address to sign up for Facebook. Um, and really during that time period, you know, Twitter, this thing called Twitter was invented and um, Magic Hat was, you know, I was really fortunate enough at Magic Hat um, to work very closely with the founder, Alan Newman, um, and he really gave us free reign to kind of leverage these new and explore with these new tools to find ways to like connect with our fans across the country. And at that point, Magic Hat was really growing um, during my time period there. We went from 13 states to 30 states. And we were really trying to find unique ways to use these platforms to connect with our fans all across the country. Um, so, yeah, super fascinating kind of period to kind of grow up through uh, digital marketing, and then to continue that to, to where I am today. Some brands are super fun with social, especially back in the day before it got kind of like filled with angst and conflict. Um, but back in that time frame, I was at Sunday River in a similar role, just marketing and PR and communications when like, hey, MySpace is a thing, we're doing that. But now there's this other thing. And I wasn't the one who started it. I had um, an employee who's now the director of the Chamber of Commerce in Bethel, Maine, uh, Jesse Seymour, Skimore, hi Skimore. Um, she brought to me like, hey, there's this Facebook thing. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Just do it for a little while, test it out. That's great. And we'll we'll deal with it later. So she opened the page. Obviously, it was a person page back in the day, right? That's probably what Magic Cat was doing too. Yep. 
yeah, so it was a, a person page and you slowly but surely kind of built this thing and obviously fast forward to now and it's like determining the fate of the earth, but that's a different topic. Yeah, no, totally. And we, you know, they really gave us free reign to kind of explore different things. So we did some things like, you know, a pub crawl through Twitter, right? So you actually tweeted the next, a clue to the next bar to go to. Um, we did some live, like live streaming used to be really big. It still is to some degree, but it was even bigger then. And we did beer tastings through live streams. So just trying to find different ways to kind of leverage these new tools to kind of engage with our fans, which was super neat. And this was basically when craft brew was new-ish. There weren't very many. Um, and Magic Cat was definitely kind of forefront in that space. Totally. Like number nine was really a, a innovative product at its time that, you know, it really brought people into the craft beer uh, category that really that wasn't established as it is today. I mean, it's hard to even think about because it's almost like social media. It's hard to think of life without Facebook. Um, but there was a time period that, you know, it was like Long Trail, Otter Creek and Magic Cat. And those were the kind of craft beer companies here in Vermont. Uh, obviously, fast forward today, the industry has really dramatically changed, um, as it, as is you know, a lot of different kind of uh, consumer packaged good industries as well. And during that time period, you're working on your photography craft. You have other hobbies, uh, but you make a transition over to fabled Vermont's brand Ben & Jerry's um, after the Magic Hat years. Um, the day-to-day -day of a digital global digital marketing director at Ben & Jerry's, hard for people to get their brain around. What are you working on day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month? Yeah, so our team um, is kind of responsible for anything. It might be anything digital. So it might be media. It might be e-commerce. It's our websites. It's social media. Uh, it's the content to power all of those. It's the data. Um, so really what we're kind of working on is to figure out how we can support our 38 markets to really bring to life uh, our goals uh, in each one of those markets. And Ben & Jerry's is a, is a fairly unique organization that uh, obviously people know us for our, our pints and flavors like cookie dough and half-baked, uh, but obviously we have a very ingrained social mission. So, uh, you know, half of my job is also developing campaigns um, that really support our social mission and our activism work. Um, which could range anything from climate change to marriage equality to structural racism. Uh, so the same people that market our ice cream also help activate and, and leverage our brand to bring attention and hopefully encourage our fans to take action around these uh, issues that we care about as an organization as well. So uh, it's pretty fascinating. Having a big part of your marketing message be about topics that basically just cause the humans to argue in a very heated fashion must be an interesting component to marketing where you're basically just whacking the cultural hornet's nests all the time. I guess you're just used to it. I think, yeah, it really does kind of grow with you and you're, you're used to it. And that's part of taking a stand um, on these issues and really trying to, uh, you know, we aren't a, an organization that's supporting kind of mainstream necessarily issues. Uh, hopefully that some of the issues that we've started off supporting 10, 15 years ago ha now have become, quote unquote, mainstream to some degree with something like climate change. Um, but I think that is the opportunity that we have as a brand to really leverage our kind of ability um, to uh, identify these issues to help educate our fans to some of these issues that are less well known to people. So I think that is really our role. And, and yes, we do get a lot of flack from that and, and people don't always agree to us, but really 
Um, the kind of litmus test that we kind of view internally is just making sure that our, when we do take a stand on an issue, we're actually helping the, the people, the movement that's actually working on this day to day. You know, we are, you know, ice cream folks and we make ice cream. That's what we do every, you know, every day. We do that extremely well. We uh, have a lot of knowledge about climate change, but that is not, you know, what we do every day. So oftentimes when we take on these um, issues, we partner with these organizations and then we first ask them, how can we help you? Uh, and then we use our business model to bring them support. And I think that's that's the difference of our business model. And uh, our co-founders really believe that business has a responsibility to give back to their community. And we just do it in a different way where we think the biggest impact that we can have as an organization on these issues is how we operate our business every day. So we don't operate our business in one corner and then parse out you know, a percentage of the profits to then give to organizations. Uh, we actually, we do that too through our foundation, but we believe the biggest change we can, we can have is how we operate our business every day. So that's both looking at our internal practices, you know, how we source ingredients, how we produce our products, uh, but then also uh, using our voice. And that's something we're starting, you know, we've started um, to do more and more and it's continuously something that we're learning to do. How do we do it better? How do we do it more effectively? Uh, but to use that voice to bring attention and, and hopefully true action on these issues. And a lot of these issues, you know, we're not necessarily going to solve, quote unquote, solve climate change by making sure to turn off the light bulb at the end of the day. Yes, that's, that's good and, and definitely will help. But a lot of these challenges um, that we have in the world are systemic issues. So really identifying the root. Uh, causes of these um, and trying to solve them right there, because that's the biggest way that we can feel like we can make an impact on these issues. Well, hats off for being a brand that is able to just kind of let the people yelling hoax <laughs> just have their day and not worry about them. Not, not a lot of brands are doing that. Not a lot of brands are willing to go into that space. And you guys are basically good at it and willing to take the heat and uh, you know, the fact that you're ice cream and you're taking the heat on that stuff is, I don't know, ironic or whatever. You know, first, I think we're continuing to learn how to do this right ourselves. So we were constantly learning every day about how to do this more effectively, how to do it better. But the, secondly, I, I think the, the, the exciting thing is that other companies are doing this, right? You know, when you look at our social mission that we pr produced 30 years ago, that was very radical in the business world. No one else had a kind of a three-part social mission um, that we have at Ben & Jerry's. But the exciting thing is you see more and more businesses using their voice to bring attention to these issues. And I think that's really exciting across all different verticals. So I think um, that, that's really exciting to, to see. I mean, I just, I find it interesting usually the digital marketing goals are centered around, you know, let's increase our web visits or our online site conversions. Um, but in consumer packaged goods and social missions, you're basically just trying to like get people to show up to an event and sign a petition, or you're trying to get people to go to the store and buy a thing. So it's probably slightly more amorphous than maybe somebody who's doing e-commerce. Totally. And I think, you know, throughout my time in digital marketing, I've been probably working with now, I guess, 15 years or so, it's really changed. So at, at first we were like all just worried about fan counts. If you remember <laughs> that, like 10 years ago, like how many fans do you have? And I think really digital marketing has come a long way that you can really attribute, you know, sales or impact. 
more than ever before. And it's really been exciting to kind of, I guess, see that ride and evolution of digital marketing and marketing in general and how we use digital and technology to kind of drive those goals for the business. What are some other brands that you look at and you think they're doing a pretty good job? You know, I you know, have to give hats off to our sister brands here in Burlington, seventh generation, um, obviously in a different vertical, but taking that same ethos. Um, there's Lush Cosmetics, there's Dr. Bronner's, there's a lot of different kind of uh, organizations out there that are trying to do good in the world, but also have a, a sustainable business model. Uh, and I don't think, you know, Ben and Jerry's is the only model, right? And I think the exciting thing is I often talk to the MBA students and and kind of students who are trying to look at sustainable business models and, and other ways of doing this for other industries. And I think that's uh, really kind of fascinating. And I think more and more, you know, uh, people are, are relying on businesses and organizations to help change the world, not only government. Um, and I think that's a, just an interesting um, uh, evolution of kind of uh, businesses. And that's not something that's just obviously happening here in the United States, but it's something that's happening globally. Well, speaking of globally, you globetrot quite a bit from what I can tell. You know, let's just hear your name off some countries you've been to in the last couple of years. Um, just in the last few months, you know, I've been to Australia, uh, the Netherlands, um, UK, Germany, um, France, um, Switzerland. Uh, so, yeah, I've been to a, even a bunch just this, this, this year. So super fortunate that. Uh, you know, when I started at Ben and Jerry's, I was really in a, in a U.S. role focused only on the United States. And then in the last five years, I've pivoted to working in a global role, really supporting all of those, uh, all of the markets that we operate in. So Ben and Jerry's, uh, for folks that might not know, is distributed all throughout Europe um, and then in pockets around uh, Southeast Asia. Australia, New Zealand and Brazil, um, as well as a other kind of markets in North America. So. Uh, yeah, we get to travel and meet with different uh, teams that really help bring the Ben & Jerry's brand to life in each one of those markets. And I end up kind of working and talking to them uh, every day, which is a very kind of uh, unique opportunity to live here in Vermont, but also to have uh, kind of a global role. And Ben & Jerry's is involved with a lot of concerts, so you're just going to music all the time. I mean, you're traveling the world, you're going to concerts left and right from what I can tell as part of your job, and somehow you are getting up in the morning and getting the first stuff on Mansfield before other people, which we are almost at, I assure everybody. Um, the concerts, though. So you guys are obviously, people see Ben & Jerry's at a lot of music festivals. That's probably associated with the social mission as well because you can kind of have some overlap between people who are thinking what you're thinking and people who are going to the concerts. Um, any examples of, you know, some of those concert events? they got to be hard to put together where it's just kind of like, oh, shit, it fell apart, didn't work. <laughs> you know, events always are like that, right? So, uh, but no, Ben & Jerry's has a deep heritage in the music uh, realm, right? Obviously, Fish Food, Cherry Garcia, everyone, flavors everyone knows us for. And kind of funny enough, that was really kind of my first gig at, at Ben & Jerry's. Um, they, they called me up and said, hey, do you want to come work for us? We have this kind of opportunity to go on, the, on a tour with this guy called Wiz Khalifa. And you're going to go around and hand out ice cream and talk about fair trade. And I, I kind of thought it was a joke, <laughs> joke. <laughs> um, but now I've been at Ben & Jerry's uh, nine years. So uh, it wasn't a joke, but yeah, I uh, was able to kind of go on a bunch of different kind of tours. And, and that's exactly right, that we 
use almost our ice cream as the vehicle to kind of start to open that door and engage people about those topics that we want to talk to them about, whether that's, you know, fair trade, you know, was that year or marriage equality or structural racism. And it allows us to start that kind of conversation uh, with our fans and, and talk to them about those, those issues. But yeah, it's been super interesting. Went to Bonnaroo and, and all the kind of different music festivals around the world um, before really getting more and more uh, deep into digital. Well, like what about Curveball, the fish concert that got canceled? Were you guys like getting ready to set up and it all went to hell? Like how did that go? Yeah, there was a bunch of people on site uh, that, yeah, had to then, uh, you know, they were just had kind of finished setting up. <laughs> I wasn't there, but they had finished setting up and then had to take that all down. So that was that was uh, a hard one to swallow. But I think, you know, events are always like that right there. You've gone to some events that it's been amazing weather, totally fine, uh, great event. Uh, but then are events that storms have come through and, and wrecked the tents. And, um, but that, I think that's actually what I like about events is that it's constantly almost changing. There's always all these kind of problems you need to kind of react to and, and solve. All right. Well, I pull up a whole bunch of skiing, mostly skiing related questions, because it turns out that your Instagram audience is into you because of the skiing, not the Ben and Jerry's for the most part. Yeah, I'd say so. I get a lot more questions about and even uh, about uh, skiing the Ben and Jerry's and even like during the summer and I post pictures around biking. That doesn't seem to <laughs> go over as well as the skiing pictures do. So. All right. While I'm looking these up, you can answer me one more question, um, which I'm sure you have. Um, Give us some health benefits of ice cream if we want to justify it for ourselves. Yeah, it's really not a healthy product. Um, <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> so, you know, we don't really try to pretend like it is. Obviously, we do have some products that are lower calorie and more, you know, I guess a little bit more healthy, but we're not we're not a health product. And, and that's OK. I don't think people open a tub of Ben and Jerry's and expect um you know, all these health benefits <laughs> to come with that. So I think, you know, we know our role uh, within kind of people's lives and, and that's not necessarily the role. Um, but if you do or are, are looking uh, for those health benefits, we have a new uh, line or, or it came out two years ago called uh, Muforia. Uh, that's a lower calorie option. And is it true that like people who work there just like get pints upon pints upon pints? I mean, how do you guys keep the weight off? Yeah, yeah. So when you first start, there's a thing called the, the Ben 10. Uh, so, you know, gaining 10 pounds in your first year, because uh, we do as employees get three free pints every single day that we work. Uh, so there's a few different chest freezers around our office. Our headquarters are based here in, in South Burlington. Uh, so every day you can take home uh, three pints of uh, Ben and Jerry's. But you learn not to basically? You know, the first year you you do it like every day, <laughs> like it's somehow like we're going to run out of ice cream. Um, and then you, you realize that you probably don't need to do it every day. Um, so now I do it kind of every once in a while when my freezer here is, and my house is running low. Uh, I'll kind of replenish the, the stock. All right, here we go. Here's from the audience. We can answer these uh, quickly, like in one or two words, or we can delve into them. Doesn't matter. Let's see. Uh, we got... Tim Barrett, 624. How the hell do you get up so early every day? Yeah. So funny enough, like I actually, because I'm in a global role, I, I already, yeah, I'm usually at the office by 6 a.m. Um, because that's, I actually have a lot of meetings in the morning. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm typically already getting up at 4.30 um, on, the, on the regular, I guess. Um, so when it comes to ski season, 
it's not too hard to get up, you know, around that same time to, to go skiing and, and get a few runs before work. And on that same line, some of these will be kind of repeat, but I'll give everybody the shout. GW Griffin 76 seems like he's got a demanding gig. How the hell does he get out so much? Um, I mean, yeah, you kind of answered it, but still it needs to be said. That's just true. You get out a lot for your gig, man. Nice job. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, lucky enough, I, I have an awesome team and kind of, uh, uh, um, you know, Ben and Jerry's really kind of understands that, uh, I, I like to ski and, um, they've kind of given me the flexibility to do that. But I, th- I think what people don't see is like other days I'm there for, at the office for very long <laughs> periods of time. And that's like, what's not on Instagram. So it's not just that I, that I, you know, get to slack off and I just ski all the time and I don't really work. Um, you kind of, you know, work hard, play hard, I guess. Um, and, and try to figure it out just like anyone else. You know, I was hiking Mansfield, what was it earlier in the week and met a guy who was a teacher in South Burlington, who was up, you know, hiking every morning and getting turns in before he has to go in and teach. So I think there's plenty of other folks like me. I'm, I'm probably, I don't put maybe post as much as me, but there's other people who are trying to figure out like how to make this all work, you know, how to, you know, continue your skiing interests and ski a lot, but also have, you know, you need to work and, and get paid. So just trying to figure out how to put it all together. Yeah. The Instagram feed is not always the reality. Um, <laughs> no, I know all about that. I spend 86% of my time working on apartment buildings all over the country but I know my audience doesn't want any of that. And <laughs> I've learned that they don't really even want my kids either. So I'm, I'm shifting to basically episode information or memes. Cause that's really all I can do for them. My regular life is just not that good. It's not really helping anybody out. Same here. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Connor W Davis, who's a great dude um, down in Maine says, will you hire me? I think he's kidding. We always have job openings, benjerry.com. You got to throw that out there. Uh, you know, uh, feel free to kind of look it up, look us up, and we're always hiring. So, here's an easy one. Favorite Ben and Jerry's flavor from Paul six ten, who happened to be the uh, Car Talk uh, guest, episode fifty nine. Oh, nice. So I'm I'm a classic guy, so I like chocolate chip cookie dough. And, and funny enough, I don't know if everyone knows this, but Ben and Jerry's actually invented chocolate chip cookie dough here in Burlington, Vermont. So we were kind of the original. Uh, cookie dough flavor, obviously now lots of different ice cream brands have cookie dough, but cookie dough uh, was originally, you know, originally came from Ben and Jerry's and was invented in our scoop shop here in, in Burlington. And there's a, a number on this topic. Um, who is taking the photos or is it a selfie process that the secret, that is the secret of his great shots? So I've obviously wondered this. I've made assumptions. You may not want to share your secret sauce. I totally get, but I think you're alone and you're getting these amazing shots. Whenever I ski alone, I get no content. It's terrible. I don't even try. Um, what the hell? How does that happen? Yeah, I don't usually t- talk about this a lot. Not not that I, I just don't want to. I just not that I want to hide it. I just don't end up wanting you, like you can. Like I said, like I said, like I said, you can be cryptic. I mean, this is a secret sauce and you don't have to give it away. No, no, no. It's it's totally fine. I, so uh, yeah, pretty much about ninety nine, I'd say, percent of my uh, feed uh, is uh, my own photos or or selfies. Um, so I do travel with a little tripod. I have an auto timer that goes off. Um, last year, so that works fairly well when you're standing uh, and can kind of get in place. Obviously, we're skiing or biking, and there's movement. 
Um, it gets a little bit more complicated. Uh, so I started really kind of taking photos of myself just to have more interesting photos than just of my skis, which was <laughs> really where I kind of started. Um, and then last year started to kind of, I guess, taking pictures of myself. Um, so, you know, setting up the tripod and then hiking up and then skiing down and then looking at the photo. Um, and this year I've kind of even perfected that more with some more apps and some faster photo taking apps. Um, so it's actually been working a lot better this year. Uh, but even, yeah, even still, it's just an iPhone. It's not perfect. There's shots that are blurry, um, but people people seem to dig it. So Makes you want to be there. Lots of FOMO. We've got Brendan Gover, uh, suggested hike to zone at Stowe for advanced expert resort skiers wanting more. Yeah, I mean, I think it totally depends on the day and the time of year, right? And I think, uh, you know, I think this was in one of the meathead movies long ago, but the possibilities at Stowe are endless, right? And I think that's what's honestly kept me here in in Burlington, Vermont, is that even this year, I'm, I want to, I mean, I've been skiing Stowe and I've had seasons pass and there for 15 years and there's still areas I haven't been to that I'm like, oh, I want to do that this year. I want to do this this year. So I think that's the exciting thing is that there's a ton of different zones at Stowe and depending on the day and the weather, there's a lot of different kind of opportunities to kind of go and, and explore, um, especially once, uh, you know, the snowpack is in. Uh, this year has been a little bit difficult. So we've had a low snowpack. So I think everyone's been kind of itching to explore more. Um, but, yeah, there's tons of different kind of uh, zones to explore. We got C Bishop 603. We don't need to answer it because we already have. How do you balance a full-time job in skiing? I don't think you ever miss a powder day. I just want you to hear how many people think you never miss a powder day. Um, and then the Keith Mayotte seems most of your photos, videos are self-shot. Do you always ski solo or do you have a go-to ski crew? This is one of those ones where it's about your schedule probably. Yeah. I mean, it's been hard because, you know, I, I usually, it's like a last, it's always kind of last minute. So, you know, I always kind of check the weather. I'm seeing when is it going to be a powder day? When is it not? Then I have to usually, uh, readjust my meeting schedule to allow me to go because oftentimes I have meetings before 9 a.m. even so I need to kind of move those around so I'm constantly kind of looking at the forecast trying to predict you know what kind of day is, is going to be the best um, and yeah for better or for worse I am often solo because I just need to go quickly and want to go to one kind of spot and, and get it in but then on the weekends I get to ski with kind of other people uh, which is nice as well. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way with the Marquettes. I get a random break in the middle of the day. I throw them in my car. I zip up 15 minutes into the foothills, ski for an hour, and then go back home. And it's like, that's my schedule and no one else is on it. Yeah, it's been interesting because I, you know, I skied with a bunch of people in college. Like every time you go skiing in college, you ski with like, you know, five, ten people and this whole crew. And then then really like the day after college, I was like, oh, right, everyone moves away. There's like no one here in Burlington. Uh, so, so that was kind of a a weird transition for me of, you know, going with a whole posse to, you know, living here in Burlington and, and you know, like half of my friends don't even ski. Um, so it's been a kind of a transition and, but, you know, you kind of learn to, to kind of deal with that and you do go kind of um, alone a lot, which is just, just different. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we tried to ski together for about five years, never succeeded, but randomly ran into each other one time at Stowe and got like three runs. Like that was the extent of it after five years of trying. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. uh, Asher Bullcasher, what's your face look like? LOL. Uh, Kirsten underscore, uh, sorry, Kirsten's underscore S. What's your go-to opre snack? 
Wow. I'd just have to say Picasso. Um, um, you know, often in, in Stowe, you know, I've been, uh, yeah, and that's been really my go-to place, my go-to place uh, after, after skiing. So get some slices. And our buddy Adam Jabber with the Out of Podcast podcast, who's also from Springfield, mind you. Oh, wow. Um, how come you always find snow in Vermont when I can't find any? Yeah, I mean, you learn to, you know, after skiing here a while, you kind of learn where to go, where the snow kind of blows. If it's even if it's, um, you know, not the best day on the slopes, kind of where the wind is blowing the snow, and you just start to really kind of learn. But you know, you make mistakes. Like today, I went to a zone and it was wind affected, and I didn't, you know, it was it was deep, but not not the best skiing. But you know, you you continue to kind of learn the mountain, learn where it, uh, people might not go, people, where did people go the day before? Uh, and it's always kind of, yeah, it's, I mean, that's that's the game of skiing, right? <laughs> well, and there's a short answer too, which is he lives in West Springfield and you're in Northern Vermont and you have the advantage on that one. Yeah, that that's right. Like if I see that it's going to be a powder day next week, I can make my schedule of work and go up before work. So um, that you have that. that. Yes. It's convenient. <laughs> Proximity to where it snows far more. Um, Kevin Hill, too. Does ski photography translate to his marketing at Ben & Jerry's? Has it inspired his work and vice versa? I would say that, uh, you know, so I actually did take photos for Ben & Jerry's and for Magic Hat. Um, for a while, I was actually doing some content photography when, when we did a lot more kind of music gigs. Um, so, but that was actually with like a, you know, a real camera versus my iPhone. Uh, so I don't, know if it really totally translates, but obviously I, I have a fair understanding of, of digital marketing and, and kind of how to kind of build a community and how to interact with people. So that that's obviously kind of translated um, to, to kind of my, my skiing kind of world. So here's one we probably don't want to answer. Uh, Benjamin Cohn, how do I find the entrance to Hellsbrook to ski? Um, go with someone who's knows how to do it and has done it before is the correct answer, right? Yeah. Um, Tom Cups, are you opposed to skiing with others? <laughs> <laughs> Already answered the question, but just so you know what people are interested in. Stock OM, what is your camera and trigger setup? How much of a pain is it to set up for a picture without ruining the snow in the shot? I mean, I am curious about that. Are you literally like hiking down, setting up, and then hiking back up, getting enough speed, and then hitting your magic turn? Like, that's the process, right? That's the process, um, you know, so that that's it. And obviously, you're kind of trying to put the camera in a good spot and the tripod in a good spot so that you're not going to hit it. But, you know, sometimes you do hit it and uh, you lose your phone in a, in a deep snow pit. Um, so I've, I've had a few issues this year where I've had to kind of dig and find my phone. Um, but luckily, I, I have a new solution to that process. So I've been working on <laughs> improving that, which... Uh, I guess everyone in on the secret on that one. So um, if you have an iWatch, uh, it actually has a button that you can uh, hit to find your iPhone uh, and it pings it. Um, so if you lose your iPhone, I usually wear my, if my batteries fall, I have my watch so I can ping my phone to find it in snow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting process. <laughs> I was going to suggest those like old school, like powder streamers, like attach one to your phone powder yeah, streamer for your phone I, I have a lot more a better setup but it, it's not <laughs> as complex i think as most people think it might be all right other ones you've already answered but just so you know what people are interested in nick ml 7 routine for getting early runs in we covered that 
Adam Wheelett, uh, my buddy guy who was the co-traveler in episode 69, uh, chimes in with, can he show me around? I don't think I could keep up, actually. Um, and Mr. Adam X, uh, who lives in a van near Buffalo most of the time, is there a Ben & Jerry's Black Unlimited card? And if yes, how do I get one? There's no official Black Unlimited card. There is a few select individuals that have Ben & Jerry's free for life. Um, so that's a very select club that I'm not even in. Um, but there are a few select individuals uh, who are fortunate to have that. Well, the next best thing to that. So we all go to the supermarket. We look in the case. Sometimes they're $4.99. Other times, they're $2.99 or two for five. How can the general public best anticipate that cycle? That's a good question. It's a, there's no real answer to that. It's like any other deal. All the different supermarkets have deals at different times throughout the year, Some and they're not always on the same time of the same year. So that's kind of like the treasure hunt. It's almost like you know, finding that secret powder stash. <laughs> you need to find the Ben and Jerry's on special is kind of like finding your, your secret powder stash. <laughs> Any big ski trips planned for the year? Yeah. So I just, I actually have to be in um, the UK in, um, in, I think in two weeks um, and I'm flying out of Zurich. So I have, uh, I think four ski days, either in Austria or Switzerland. I haven't booked that piece of my, my trip, but um, we'll head over there for a little bit, um, and then we'll see what the rest of the year kind of brings. So, Well, since Ben & Jerry's is willing to wade into some some conflict, what would Ben & Jerry's stance be on skiers only at Mad River Glen? No comment. <laughs> finally. I finally found the thing that you guys won't touch. Thanks for making the time, Mike. I really enjoy your content. I really enjoy Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And if you're ever on the front range in Denver, uh, please make me go skiing. Totally. And hit me up if you're out this way. We'll, we'll actually ski together this time. And it's fact time. Ben & Jerry's was founded in 1978, which makes it one year older than your host. And in 2017, the company stopped selling two scoops of the same ice cream flavor in Australia in protest of that country's position against legalizing same-sex marriage. Uh, competitive eater Matt Stoney ate 12 pints of Ben & Jerry's in 35 minutes in 2015. It's got 3 million views on YouTube, and it's disgusting. Facts matter, folks. Insist on them. Theme music by Adam Levy. Toss me those five-star Apple Podcast ratings if you'd like to be a helper. I also plan to dedicate around one in five of future episode topics to the East Coast, like this one, because I see the data, and behind Colorado, it's Vermont, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, etc. I see you guys. Follow on Instagram at Wintry Mixcast or find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Leave the pod a voicemail or text at 802-560-5003 and good chance it'll get into an episode. Stick around for After the Beep. Goodbye.
this is Hillary. And Adam. And Dan. And we're calling to say hey to Wintry Mix and the AK crew. We're sitting on Route 108 right now in some traffic. Saturday of MLK weekend down here. Trace Amigos, Sushi Yoshi area. Traffic is at a standstill. Reminds me of I-70. Anyway, we have our own problems here in Vermont, much similar to the I-70 corridor. Powder day, holiday weekend, we're here. What do you have to say, Hill? Um, I could have slept in. That would have been way better than sitting on 108. Could have slept in, true. Dan, how about you? What do you have to say? Not much, bud. Just enjoying the ride. Nice. Here we are. Bye. See you next week. Don't boot the skin track. 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 Good luck. Got big plans for dinner tonight? I don't even know. Whoa, hey, guys, I'm kind of on the phone here. Well, I don't care. Oh, don't man. Care. Mike, do you have any? You don't have any kids. No kids yet. No kids. All right, well, when you have them, you'll ski less, but. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, you guys, say hi to Mike. Hi. Okay, the berries? The what? I was gonna ask them if they wanted Ben and Jerry's, but they can't hear me. Oh, probably. do you guys know? Do you guys know what Mike does for a living? What? He sells Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Yummy! <laughs> Yummy! Give me some! Give me some! Give me some! Send me your address, and I'll send you guys. Some. Oh my god! Five equals twenty-five. He says we gotta give we gotta give him our address. We'll see what happens. All right, guys, say bye to Mike. Say bye to Mike. Bye. Bye. Ice okay. cream. Bye. There we go. Close the door. Bye. Bye. There we go. That'll add some fun color at the end there. Oh, there you go.